Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Tuesday night, and uh, while across the country uh, we've got some some local municipal elections, it, it sure had an election night punditry as the television and the Twitterverse and everyone was going crazy with incredible certainty over rights and wrongs and the debates that are raging as, yes, the college football playoff rankings have been released for the first time. Barton Simmons right there. I'm Chip Patterson. Barton, you just finished um, a walloping hour of coverage on CBS Sports HQ alongside Barrett Salee, Jerry Palm, uh, breaking things down and sort of taking a look at things. Uh, I'm a, I will get into for any listeners that uh, maybe don't have the rankings in front of them or for some reason haven't, haven't heard the way they break down yet here in just a second. But initially, do you feel... Um, like, do you feel like you, you saw any outrage or did things break about how, how you expected? Generally how I expected, uh, I think the committee was fairly predictable, maybe a couple of spots here and there that I was a little bit surprised by. Um, I'll be, as we talk, I'll be interested to see what were the, the primary points of contention Sort of on the on the main set there, uh, in in the I don't know Twitter sphere. Uh, you're you're probably following it along a little closer than I was. I, I was in my my HQ sort of bubble. Um, but I don't. Know, the I'd say the only thing with the playoff release that I felt like I disagreed with it was it feels like Baylor earned. A higher marks than twelfth. Mm. I mean, they they've beaten some good teams. Uh, they've they're I mean they're undefeated. They've beaten, uh, yeah, they beat what Oklahoma State, beat TCU, beat Kansas State. Um, I mean, I I just feel like Baylor probably. I mean, I think Baylor probably deserves to be above Oklahoma, um, just based on resume. I don't I don't know if that's something that was discussed. And then I. Oh, no, no, no. Ba- Baylor, just based on resume, should be ahead of Alabama. They got two teams against top 25 teams in the playoff committee's own rankings. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not doing to them what Alabama's doing to everybody, but yeah. Uh, uh, I, I thought – so that, that that was interesting, and then I thought there was a little bit of a level of, of all right, there is some we, – we are accounting for cosmetic victories here and there. Uh, I mean – if you're if this is just a purely black and white resume committee, then Penn State would have been third, but Alabama comes in at three, which means ultimately they're still going to trust their eyes 
to a certain degree, which I, I, they probably should. Um, but th- those were probably my, my two biggest takeaways. And in addition to uh, breaking down these playoff rankings, we are also going to be taking a look to that LSU Alabama game, the SEC on CBS game of the weekend game of the week coming up this weekend. Uh, but because really the, I mean, the playoff conversation, especially within the top and LSU Alabama, I mean, they go hand in hand because we, we discuss how you're going to be splitting teams at the top, but we know that the two of the most important pieces in this puzzle, well, they're, they're going to be playing each other. And that result is a huge data point in trying to figure out the college football playoff picture. So uh, in the college football playoff rankings, that will not be a number one versus number two, but a number two versus number three, because Ohio State, number one team in the CBS Sports 130, uh, the number one team, I think Barton, I think of our podcast crew, is probably one of the first ones to jump on uh, the Buckeyes as the number one team in the country. Number one on my ballot as well. Ohio State is number one, LSU at two, Alabama three, Penn State at four, as you mentioned, then the Clemson Tigers at five. Uh, Quickly rounding out the top 10, Georgia six, Oregon seven, Utah eight, Oklahoma nine, and Florida 10. Notables, you mentioned Baylor at 12, undefeated. Uh, You've also got Kansas State at six and two, uh, at number 16, one spot ahead of Minnesota, 13 in the polls, but 17 in the playoff rankings. Cincinnati is currently the top-ranked group of five team. They are at 20, but they are followed closely by Memphis at 21, Boise State at 22, Navy at 24, and SMU at 25. So the group of five playoff race, it's it's kind of laid out right there. And then Oklahoma State that I mentioned, uh, unranked in the polls, but number 23, uh, this this committee seems to take a liking to an Oklahoma State team that just beats ranked teams and, and lose to unranked teams. So that's a good way to get you going. All right. Um, I would like to start the conversation with the Oklahoma Sooners. And the operative question is, is Oklahoma 7-1 and one, currently at number nine in the playoff rankings, the top ranked of the Big 12 teams, is Oklahoma's path to the college football playoff um, – is, is is that is that going to be something where you would not bet on it or you do not find it likely? Is it likely that Oklahoma can go from nine and make it into the college football playoff as you see it playing out? Seems unlikely to me. I know. I mean, it's got it. I mean, I think that's obviously, you know, you got an opportunity to beat a Baylor team. Um, you've, You've got a couple other clo- tough games down the road, but so so there there'll be some resume patterns to an extent. But I I don't know like who's it looking like. I, I guess Baylor potentially would be your, your best case scenario for your Big Twelve championship game foe from a resume standpoint. You just sort of hope Baylor wins as many as it can. But or Kansas I mean, State wins out and you get to avenge the win like uh, they did against Texas last year. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice. Um, so, so no, I mean, I, I think that's pretty telling that Oregon and Utah are, I mean, if one of those teams finishes with one win, Oklahoma, it doesn't seem like they've got the, the, the games on the schedule to jump them. Um, if Georgia gets to the SEC championship game with one loss and loses, 
it doesn't seem like Oklahoma would jump Georgia if Georgia if that if that SEC championship game is is a really close one, and it doesn't seem like it's going to jump a one loss team in that top five. Because unless unless one of those top five like look look unless Clemson loses to some you know South Carolina or something sure yeah or NC uh, State this weekend right but that's not going to happen because now they're fifth in the country and Dabo Sweeney's going to tell everyone how they're how they're being disrespected and so they'll be motivated so, so good for you Clemson you got your motivation but no I I, I mean I I think that's not a great spot. I think it's fascinating because it, we t- we spent so much time, and I'm not just coming from the personal uh, headspace of somebody who really talked himself into the the full Oklahoma going to sweep. I mean, this is just an Oklahoma team that, when we look statistically, they are an elite offensive team. Defensively, they've taken strides forward to now they are. Uh, you know, last year they are one of the worst teams in the big 12 judging them among their conference peers in the wide open high flying big 12. They were one of the worst last year. They're up near the top in the top three this year. Now they're a little good bit behind TCU, but they're still right there behind TCU as one of the better defenses in the conference. So you've addressed the one thing that was really bad last year. You're still operating at a ridiculous clip offensively. You just, you had a really, really bad game and now it's looking, at least as we sit here in our sort of with our overreaction pants on on Tuesday night, right after the rankings have been released, I look up and I think, wow, Oklahoma and you know extended out the Big Twelve are are probably out of it, and if not prob if not probably out of it, definitely seem to be more out of it than the Pac twelve a league that by muscle memory we're just ready to write off all the time as the Pac-12 has two teams in the top 10, both Oregon and Utah. They're not going to play each other before the end of the year like LSU and Alabama and Ohio State and Penn State are. And they are, uh, if they are able to continue this path and meet in the Pac-12 championship game, each with only one loss on the season, the winner of that game as a 12-1 and Pac-12 conference champion, I mean... They're starting this only three spots away from being in the top four. So that has become a, sort of a, a wild twist that I did not see coming where the Big 12, a league that, you know, we we even sort of at times this season were like, is the Big 12 one of the best, best, college, best conferences in college football? But yet it might be that they're not going to be able to, in this year's playoff race, be represented in the college football playoff. And... That's a little bit wild to me. Yeah, at least they got one three-loss team into the top 25 in Oklahoma <laughs> State. I yeah. mean, that's that's a positive for the Big 12. Uh, it, it indicates some level of respect that the committee has. Uh, what do you do? You think Oklahoma is the ninth best team in the country? I think they're higher than that. Like, I I would have a hard time taking Utah over Oklahoma on a neutral field. Yeah. No, I. I, I might take them over Georgia. I would have a hard time taking Oregon over them on a neutral field, and I would I probably I might take them over Georgia too. Yeah. I I, so, I, I don't I, think they're the ninth best team, but if this is the way the committee's going to judge it, damn. I guess I guess our Jalen Hurts versus Tua dreams are shattered now. So, but do, don't you think though that there is a little bit of an avenue for 
Oklahoma to just start excuse me start doing just some gnarly stuff some murderous things to their opponents <laughs> scene you know scoreboard gestures uh to 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 some opponents and then i mean the committee talks about that they they don't want to incentivize running up the score but eh, they could be influenced so it- I, I i could see i i i, I don't think that while we're talking about it, and I think we should be talking about it <clears throat> as the path not quite as clear as an OU fan might hope, I, I do think um, the eye test is, is, is still ongoing. And I think the reason I wanted to talk about it is probably that the, the, the question you just posed, which is, I, don't, I think Oklahoma is better than the ninth best team in the country. And, you know, it's as somebody who staunchly defended the four team playoff, I hate that this Oklahoma team won't get a shot at a national championship. And like you said, I, you know, we're playing this out. Like, I mean, we, we had a whole question about whether or not you would trust Mario Cristobal in a, uh, you know, defending a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter in, in the second half, but both Oregon and Utah could lose. Like it is not, um, it is not out of the realm of possibility that they both have a regular season loss before the end of the year. Uh, I don't think Clemson will have a regular season loss, but you know, with we are willing to entertain it. Like Oklahoma, as you have mentioned, if they just start blowing teams out of the water, looking just clear cut above everyone else, it, it will be easy. Should the pieces start falling around them for them to all of a sudden you look up and it's like, Oh, Oklahoma's sixth now. Oh, Oklahoma's fifth going into, you know, conference championship Saturday. And then maybe on conference in the conference championship, they are able to scoot in ahead of uh, a second LSC, a second SEC team, or maybe a second uh, big 10 team. If what they do in the conference championship game is along the lines of what Ohio state did to Wisconsin, the year that they jumped in ahead of Baylor and TCU, where the committee really took that blowout win against Wisconsin as a not only giving them credit for being a conference champion, but as a, another data point to show how strong that team was heading into the postseason. So you're right. You're right. It is it is um, interesting because that team that I consider to still be elite and really, really good is in a position where it doesn't seem like they're going to get a shot at the national championship, but we have seen time and time again I mean, I think Ohio State, the year they got in, and the first playoff rankings were 12. So our precedent is that we draw the line around 12. I think Oklahoma, uh, the first year they got in, was something like 14 in the first playoff Oh, wow. Rankings. Okay. So, I mean, it's it, it doesn't feel like that kind of year where, uh, you know, some one-loss team that deep is, is going to make it in. I mean, I guess... I I guess Minnesota, I guess Baylor, but there's not, I mean, Hey, maybe Wake goes and beats Clemson. I don't know, but I, that's, that seems unlikely. What I, what I think is probably, I think your, your playoff four is probably within the top nine. Uh, I mean, that's not a, that's not a, um, exactly a hot take, but, as I look at that top nine and you were, we were talking about Oklahoma and trying to climb the ranks there, I, I actually think like 
look at Georgia's schedule. I mean, Georgia has, I mean, obviously the perceived SEC championship game, but <clears throat> it's got to play Missouri, at Auburn, and Texas A&M. And I would not be shocked if it lost any of those three. I know. I'd be, I'd be surprised if it lost to Missouri, but certainly at Auburn is, is losable. And it, it feels like A&M's, I mean, I, I could very easily see them getting somebody. Uh, I mean, LSU's got to deal with A&M at the end of the season, yeah. too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been looking at Texas A&M as though it's like a, a mischievous child that's been eyeing yeah. like a, a glass cookie jar all morning. And I'm like, that kid's going to climb up on the cabinet. We're about to have broken glass all over this kitchen. <laughs> they, they're they're going to be parades like for the like playoff parades on Bourbon Street, uh, and and people are going to forget that Texas A&M is still hanging around, waiting to spoil the whole deal. Yeah, in, in a season where the the schedule's so tough and the performance has been so inconsistent, a zombie Texas A&M team rising up to take down a Georgia or LSU at the end of their schedule would uh would would be some wild, very very college football stuff. Um, I think. That we are, uh, you know, you know. Before, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're moving on, but before, one thing that I think is interesting is, I mean, we've talked about the Pac-12, but with between Oregon and Utah, because as we were just talking, like, you know, I was looking at the teams above Oklahoma, chance of losing Georgia, yeah, yeah, okay, Georgia, Oregon. I mean, they got a tough Arizona State game. That's losable, no doubt. That's losable, but they ain't losing to Arizona. No, not losing to Oregon State. Both ah. those games are at home. Okay, all right. Utah, I guess they could lose to UCLA, but I that feels unlikely. But I'm I'm gonna give them like the possibility of losing to UCLA. I don't think Utah Utah loses to UCLA. I'm sorry, I don't think Utah loses to Arizona, and I don't think Utah loses to Colorado. Point being. This is – I think the whole 11-1 versus 11-1 in the Pac-12 is very – is almost more likely uh, – yeah, I think that's probably more likely than Georgia finishing 11-1. The reason I did not pick Oregon at the beginning of the year to win the Pac-12 North was at Washington, at USC, at Arizona State. They've passed two of those three tests, but that last – at Arizona State, with all of the stakes that are packed into that game, is terrifying. That's scary. That's very scary. But Pac-12, man, it's good for them. All right, so I think that we are treating Clemson like uh, we're, we're we're treating Clemson um, just just very very friendly about this whole being number five thing. Because number one, you're absolutely right, and this was mentioned as soon as it popped up. Everybody on the desk is like, "Oh, Dabo loves this." You know, like Herb Street's kids on the team, so you know he's sort of like the Dabo yeah. whisperer now, and he's right. like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what Dabo wants." And I, I'm not sure that that's the, you know, it's you are right. Like if Clemson, you know, just just goes on, wins all the games that they need to play before between now and the the end of the season, they're 13 and 0. Then, uh, then. Then yes, you you're going to be in the college football playoff. That's that's going to happen. That's a very easy thing for me to feel very certain about. But at the same time, the 
the popular conversation, and I was flipping around because I was also watching a little bit of Toledo Kent State, um, bouncing between some college basketball games. The line was, well, obviously the committee, you know, really held that one point win against Carolina against Clemson. It's really holding them down. But then Rob Mullins, the Oregon athletic director, who's the college football playoff selection committee chair comes on there and he's saying, no, no, we favored Penn state ahead of Clemson uh, because we're really valuing Penn state's wins against Iowa and Michigan. And we just don't think that Clemson has uh, those wins yet. And I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, that's cool. Uh, but if that's the case, then shouldn't Penn state be ahead of Alabama? Do you think that Alabama is just sort of getting the, well, they're just, they're so good kind of treatment right now where they're just, they're just going to end up ahead of Penn state or Clemson based on the, the raw talent and some of the impressive performances that they've had so far against lesser opponents. Yeah, that that was my, that was my takeaway too. It was like, they're, they're they're not towing the line one way or the other. They're not purely test like leaning on their eyes. They're not purely leaning on resumes. I I felt like based on the committee's history, I I almost expected Penn State to be three. Uh, but that's I mean they they continue to give a lot of uh, respect to this Alabama team, and I think that. I think that's telling. I think that's, and I think that says something about sort of Alabama's margin for error, I guess. Alabama's ability to survive a loss to LSU. Alabama better beat LSU, but I think this sends a message that if Alabama loses a one possession game late to the team, that the committee considers the second best team in the country, then Alabama isn't a whole lot different than what they're saying Alabama is right now. And so I, I think that, that that further speaks to the idea of getting two teams from one conference in and two teams from the SEC in. That's a really good point. It's not as must win as we were hooting and hollering about for like the last couple days. Because that was because that's been the notion, right? That LSU can afford a loss because it's a, a road game. It's at Alabama, and uh, you know they've got all these other quality wins stacked up on their resume. Alabama cannot afford a loss because it's at home, and they're not going to have opportunities later outside of that Auburn game to be able to to put together quality wins. And I I think that. I believe it. I believe this is kind of, you know, that was what you just said, but I, I agree with you. This, this initial ranking, um, definitely suggests that maybe it's not as must win as, uh, as I initially thought heading into it. And, and yet I, uh, and so I probably agree with this ranking. Uh, if, I mean, I think that's, I think at least the top five is my top five. I think I might have Penn State and Clemson flipped actually, but I'm curious. Like right now, if you're just and I'm not asking you like what the best value bet is, but your national champion pick re-rack today. Who who do you who would you pick to win the national championship? You get you know just today. Your 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 all things being equal pick. 
I'll give you my. You want to hear my answer? Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, a you know they're going to get in, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's not a guarantee for any of the other teams above them. But b, like I was thinking about this because someone asked me that you know, and I, and I I think Ohio State looks like the best team in the country, uh, but. I would be a little hesitant to pick Ohio State to win the national title because I'm worried about whoever plays Clemson. And I don't have quite the same worry about whoever plays Alabama or whoever plays LSU. or But whoever plays Clemson is still playing a team that has experience in this spot. The core group has been there. you got Trevor at quarterback. The defense, the, like that, a defense like that travels. And it has a better defense than LSU or Alabama. I'm not going to say it has a better defense than Ohio State, but it has a better defense than LSU and Alabama. And it has an offense that, yeah, it's not clicking to the same degree as LSU's and Alabama's offenses are, or even Ohio State's probably, but it's, it's getting there. And they're still crushing teams. And they're bad teams, but they're crushing them. And so... I, I mean, all the, you know, I get all the Herb Street talk, you know, they, you know, this is, you know, plays right into Dabo's hands and all that. Uh, and there's like, that's real. That's true. Dabo's going to use this. But I also think like that's, this is, that's still the safest bet to win this national title, I think. And I think they have the best, I think they have the best odds. So it's not like it's the best bet. So, and it's not like that's an outrageous statement. But sitting at five, I still like Clemson. Hmm. Coming up on the other side, breaking down the ins, the outs, the X's and O's, the X factors. It's LSU. It's Alabama. Broken down. Next. All right. So uh, big game breakdown. LSU and Alabama. Uh, we have. Let's. We we don't need to like delay the uh, the pick here. Because we're both taking LSU with the points. We, we said that on CBS Sports HQ. You can always watch at cbsportshq.com. Are you also on LSU will win this game straight up? I, I am. Um, but this is, what is this? This is Tuesday night. Chill. Yes. So, I mean, you know, that the way I operate is I allow myself to be influenced. You know, one of my favorite books uh, I've ever read, but I read it fairly recently, is is Range. I think I've maybe um, mentioned it on the pod before, but uh, there's a there's a a section in it about judges and a study on on judges, and great judges are are great belief updaters. As new information comes in, they change their beliefs. Can't harden your stance, and 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 just get in your bunker. You got to be willing to accept new information. So, uh, I believe LSU will win right now, but I'm giving myself to the end of the week to lock that in. I am. I I believe LSU will win, but the confidence in that pick as a straight up victory was initially a little bit shaken when. Uh, when the Vegas odds came out and I saw it at seven. Whoa. Okay. All right. Okay. And, uh, I started playing out what an Alabama win looks like. 
and I, I, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm, I'm not going to change that. I, I still think LSU is going to win this game. And, uh, and, and here in the next couple minutes, uh, I'm, I'm sure that some of those reasons will become apparent, but the, the thought exercise was what does an Alabama win look like? And I think the key here for Alabama is it's gotta be with that secondary, which is talented, but has not been tested whatsoever. And so we haven't really put together the the kind of game or the kind of game plan where we're gonna expect the the defensive staff to to you know put in the scouting report and this extremely talented team which relies on you know the complex uh, some more complex and advanced schemes on the back end like we have not yet try seen Nick Saban and that staff try to put together one of those uh, you know masterpieces and I don't think Joe Burrow has the kinds of uh, weaknesses that we've seen some other quarterbacks get exposed. But I do think it's possible that they might be able to at least limit what Joe Burrow is able to do in the passing game. Then all of a sudden, you you really start to lean on LSU and that uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire rushing attack. And I started thinking about the fact that you know LSU's offense, I've mentioned this before, their average touchdown drive is about 2 minutes and 15 seconds. They score and they score quick. So what if Alabama... Uh, you know, Tua doesn't have a lot of air yards. He doesn't push the ball down the field. What what if we're there? We're doing some quick game, and what if we're just playing a little bit of nice and easy? Let's put together a you know eight play, seventy five yard drive. We're we're not gonna be moving too fast. We're just gonna be trying to out execute because we think that LSU right now the way this defense is built. We can we can kind of just run through the motions and and march the ball down the field without too much resistance, and in playing keep away, you give that defense a little bit of time to breathe. You allow your defense to rest, and you get Joe Burrow and the LSU offense out of rhythm. And I don't think that that is something that can be sustained for an entire game. I think eventually this LSU team, no matter how Alabama schemes this up or plays it. Uh, they're going to find like a couple quick strike scores. There's going to be about 14 points, 14 to 17 points that could be scored in a flurry by the LSU offense. But as I started to think about pace and as I started to think about the rhythms of this game, I I just started to wonder if maybe uh, maybe Alabama is going to be able to have that trade-off where its defense, which is thin, gets a little bit of schematic help from its own offense. Are you just, are you testing your own conviction right now? Because you just, you just, you just did a long uh, explanation of how your pick loses. I had to go through the thought experiment, Barton. I I think it's, I think that's, I think that's how Alabama, I think that's how Alabama wins the game. Right. I think that's, I, I, I think that's a good, um, synopsis because and, and and that's I guess it's important to acknowledge here that while I am picking LSU to win the game as we sit here on Tuesday night uh, it's, it's not as if I think LSU is like I mean there, there's clearly ways Alabama can win this game and there's clearly a, a, a real fear that over the last two weeks 
Nick Saban's been coming up with a masterpiece. And as much as as the as we love to hype Joe Brady and Danny Cannell's got him on his dang FSU head coach <laughs> hotboard at number four, this is still the Don. This is still Nick Saban, and it's still at home, and it's still uh, an Alabama team that is loaded on offense. I, I'd love to count up for both teams what does the draft the draft the draft not even like total i'm talking about just next year the 2020 draft this is good this is going to be one of the best in in a, in a in a game that's always got great draft nfl draft uh rosters this is going to be one of the best um they're everywhere first and second third rounders so i mean there's very clearly ways that alabama can win this game and and i think you just laid out uh a pretty real one I, I think what I keep on coming back to with this one, and I hope I'm not just kind of going back to like hardening myself in my stance by re, by re-examining this, but like I just believe in Joe Burrow. I believe that Joe Burrow, when you hear his, like the coaches and his teammates talk about him, and when you watch the way he reacts to adversity on the field, the way he reacts to a big hit, the way he performs in big moments i mean two is obviously great in big moments too but this but finally like lsu's got a guy who's gonna step into that arena and is is the moment won't be too big for him i mean how like i'll be really disappointed <laughs> if we get in there and joe burrow just looks like you know he's the jv player all of a sudden he gets scared of bama i just don't see that happening because good it's happened to good quarterbacks before um, and I just think this is the year that that LSU can can rally around their guy. And look, the the unfortunate reality is that Tua isn't 100. Uh, percent Who knows what version of him we'll get? Maybe it's 95. percent I doubt that. I think it's probably more like in the 75 percent range. Maybe he's maybe he's 95 percent until that first hit. Uh, and and then he's sixty percent the rest of the game. I don't know, but but clearly there's I think there's gonna be some game plan limitations from Alabama. Maybe it'll play into your your vision there of just you know what we're not gonna take big shots. We're gonna play a quick game. We're gonna pound the run game and just see if this LSU defense can hold up. Whatever it is, but um, I think that that's not insignificant that uh, that Tua is is coming off a, an injury. Joe Burrow is 22 years old, fearless AF, and has the mentality of a cold-blooded killer that wants to run up 700 yards of offense and score 60 points on you every single time he takes the field. If there is any quarterback in college football in 2019 who is unafraid of Alabama and Bryant-Denny Stadium, it's Joe Burrow. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's because I'm with you. Like, Ultimately, the reason why I'm not wavering in my stance is and I, 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 we, I don't know if, if the videos are even still active, but I think that I was so caught up in my Joe Burrow feels that when we were on the field in Austin after the Texas game, I was like, man, I think LSU is going to beat Alabama, y'all. And it was like, okay, Chip, slow down. So these convictions are deep. I'm not going to waver in them. But I, but I have had to, have, sitting on this LSU can beat Alabama thought for almost two months now, I started to play out the way Alabama wins, and and look, isn't uh, 
isn't Barrett taking LSU too? Uh, Barrett is taking LSU to cover. I think he's taking Bama to win. I can't mm. remember. I just, you know, I, I, I gotta, gotta scout the opposition here. This is so if, so where, where LSU, um, outside of Joe Burrow, where do you think the, that LSU has some opportunities to take advantage of Alabama? Well, I, I just think Alabama, like one thing that's, um, I mean, LSU's offensive line has been really good this year. Uh, the Alabama ultimately is true freshman defensive end, true freshman nose, true freshman Mike, true freshman. Uh, I'm, you know, both of their middle linebackers, like up the middle, their inside guys are true freshmen. I mean, that's those are all good players, but at some point. You know that's that's not ideal against an offense like LSU, and so um, I think that there is opportunity there. I, I also think, given that you're going to have to be in a lot of nickel and dime, I mean you're, you're going to be almost exclusively in nickel, but you probably got to be in a lot of dime as well against this LSU team, and the the Mike who stays in and that dime stuff has been Shane Lee, and that guy is the guy that can get you lined up and he's he is a thumper and he's but his strength is not playing in space and so i think that there's ways lsu can exploit him can can get clyde edwards elair on him can um i mean they're they're gonna be i think they'll be in five wides and 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 10 personnel and they're and they're gonna they're gonna spread alabama out and and test those inside second level defenders, those overhang type guys. And so, uh, I mean, I, I think that they have the, the playmakers to do that. Now, again, I mean, I, Alabama's going to have a great game plan, and, um, and and I can't wait to see how they try to attack it. But there's there's a lot of weapons that LSU can, can use to attack this Alabama team, and and then can it get just can it get some stops? Um, and I think that's probably going to be the question as much as anything is just can can the can the defense find some stops because I'm not while I think LSU will be able to score points I'm also not I'm, I think Alabama is going to, be able to score some points too. Where are you the most nervous about LSU's defense going up against Tua? I mean, I, this is a, I wonder if this is just the the spread the. Uh, you know, like the the contagion of spread offense and what it does to a defense, because there's a, I mean, there's dudes all over this LSU defense, and yet at no point this year has this defense like really, I mean, just been totally suffocating in the way we're used to seeing an LSU defense. So, I mean. Who's gonna yeah? You know, who's gonna be that edge guy that replaces Michael Divinity? Uh, they got some options there, but they're a little less deep there. Maybe Marcel Brooks comes in and is 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 a factor as a true freshman. Um, can the Kerry Vincent or whoever that nickel defender is be a big time guy? Because look, I, we were at that Texas game and there. Hey, some of those guys got straight up beat, um, and and that's that's an area that. I mean, LSU's got two great receivers, 
a third really good one, Bama's got four maybe first rounders. So there, there's you can't have a weakness anywhere, or else it's good night. And so uh, I've just like I, I was talking in this, on the HQ earlier this week and um, talking about you know keys to the game and uh, Brady was Brady Quinn was talking about you know, line of scrimmage and uh, look that, that's always pretty critical, but. My my take my take is more about the back end, back end. and maybe I'm from like a second I, I played D- DB, but I think it's going to be about which DBs and second level defenders can play out of their mind because I think those guys those both these offenses are so good you just got to find guys that'll make plays. Mm. So though one statistic. Uh, in favor of the LSU side here, Chris Felica. Did you see him tweet this out? Like uh, I think it was earlier today. I did not. Uh, so this is using the AP rankings. In the last 40 years, there have been five regular season games between AP number one and number two, in which AP number one LSU was an underdog. AP number one won outright all five times, including LSU as a five-point dog at Alabama in 11. Ooh. So I mean, there's something. There's something to give you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I I didn't mean to shake you with my my long uh crystal ball vision. No, I mean it's true. It's like a, I think that was a good a good um synopsis. I, I just think it's it because it's it's a, and I think it's important to like acknowledge that Alabama is so <laughs> Of course cool. Alabama can win, you know? Like of course they can win. They 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 might no. What I don't think I don't think either team is going to blow this thing out. But no. Alabama absolutely can win. There's there's there are ways for sure. Like I'm I'm ready for uh just just to you know let's say first first drive down Alabama drives for a little bit. LSU's defense holds. They kick a field goal. LSU goes three and out, and then like LSU, then like Alabama goes down, scores a touchdown, then pick six, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's Alabama seventeen, LSU nothing. Oh no. <laughs> but even if it gets like that, this is when uh, this is going to be one of those sort of like the Orange Bowl last year, where you know this is both these offenses are so potent that. You know, even three scores down, unless it's like really late in the game, this is not going to feel like it's over. Right. Yeah. Alabama got out to a 21 0 start and was sweating in the fourth quarter as Kyler Murray's marching down for touchdown after touchdown. Right. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I was uh, just because we talked about this a little bit, like, as you know, Joe Brady, they're doing RPO stuff. Um, this isn't like anything earth shattering, but I, I reached out to, to three coaches that have played LSU this year. Just curious, like kind of was wanted to see, basically what I was asking was, are, is LSU doing anything like really unique on offense or are they just finally doing just standard RPO stuff with really good personnel? One coach was like, uh, more of the seconds. Like it's good, but it's, it's basically just really good personnel. Uh, another coach said they're doing really good stuff, nothing incredibly revolutionary, their slot and their X are really good. The O-line is good. Joe Burrow has improved as much as anyone in the country. And then another coach told me, 
I wouldn't say it's standard RPO. They've taken a lot of pro-style drop-back-and-play action concepts that Brady got from Peyton in New Orleans, mixing that with college RPO stuff so they have a lot to defend and are able to get one-on-ones with their receivers who are really good, and the QB has been really good, obviously. So I just thought I'd empty that because I'm not going to write about it or anything, but that, that, I just thought that was interesting that there, there, is, there is like an element that Joe Brady has added to this that is uh, – you know, that is, this makes it tough to defend. But I, I ultimately think at the end of the day, they've just gotten modern and they've got LSU talent, the same LSU talent they've always had, but they've gotten modern and they've got a quarterback. And that is enough to get them at least for once on equal footing with Alabama. We'll see if that can be enough to get them to win. I like that. Good note. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.